Welcome to the Executive Coach for Moms podcast, where we support women who are attempting to find balance and joy while simultaneously leading people at work and at home. I'm your host, Leanna Lasky-McGrath, former tech exec turned full-time mom, recovering perfectionist and workaholic, and certified executive coach. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me today, and welcome to episode five. If you tuned in last week, I was talking with my friend, Andrea Palmer, who was interviewing me to share my story. I shared about my pre-baby life and career, my pregnancy, and my maternity leave. And we left off when I was getting ready to return to work. So today, in part two of this three-part series, I'm going to talk about my return to work after maternity leave, my experience as an executive mom, and my decision to step out of the corporate world to focus full-time on my daughter. Hope you enjoy. Here we go. So when I went back, um, it was tough because uh, I went back at three months. And at four months in a baby's life, there is often what's called the four-month sleep regression, which is actually... A progression. Basically, they they stop connecting their sleep cycles. So some babies it doesn't affect at all. I hope that's your baby, but for mine, it meant she was awake every forty five minutes. Oh boy. Yeah, and I remember actually we were in DC at a board meeting on her four month birthday, and it was that night that just flipped a switch. I mean, it was just like she had been sleeping like seven to eleven hour stretches, and then suddenly on her four month birthday, it just switched. So yeah, it was tough. So we had to make changes and you know, you have to make adjustments on the fly. And yeah, so it, it was, yeah, it was challenging because I think the lack of sleep I had hoped was done, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't for a few more years. And I, we hired a nanny. So I was fortunate to be able to have a nanny come into the house so that I could, breastfeeding was something that was really important to me. So I was able to take breaks and do that. Or a lot of times I would just nurse her while I was on calls and things like that or working. So I feel fortunate about that because I, I I remember thinking at the time, like I was sad about it. I was excited and sad about it. And I thought, oh my God, if I had to like take her to daycare, drop her off at three months old, I just feel for all of the parents who, who live that at three months or even younger in, in many cases. But yeah, it was, it was an okay transition, I think because of the situation. And again, because... I was working kind of on my terms and I had set those boundaries very clearly. And so when the nanny couldn't get her down for a nap, you know, if I wasn't on a meeting, I would help out to... Mm-hmm. So I was I was glad to be able to do that kind of stuff. But it was definitely hard to like hear her crying whenever mm-hmm. it was a meeting that I couldn't step away from, you know, that I, that I chose to stay in and that kind of thing. So, and then we also, I traveled at least once a month and so she had her passport <laughs> for a month old. <laughs> nice. And this little baby passport. And she traveled with me to, to Montreal often and DC and wherever our conferences were. She was she was um at our booth with me, you know. And so um whenever I was at conferences and and things. And so it was fun, honestly. I mean, I would take either my husband would come along or um or our nanny would come along. And so you know, I think we made it work for that first year where I was part-time, but it was hard as well. There were definitely days where I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to go back full-time. The way that it, the way they set it up is that I did, um, I had Monday mornings off and Fridays off. So I would work like Monday afternoon, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And it wasn't that my workload was decreased. It was that I had to do it in a much 
shorter amount of time. But one of the things that I found, and also when I've talked to a lot of other women who have made the transition to motherhood, is that you just get like way more efficient somehow. It's like, I only have this little amount of time. And so I have to use it. Like I don't have other time, right? And so, yeah, you just kind of find ways to cut out things that don't need to be done to deprioritize things. And that's really the only way to do it is to cut things (laughs) rather than like trying different systems and things like that is, you know, cut it and also just like focus, hyper-focus and like get it done. And yeah, so I don't think I ever spent time like scrolling social media or doing a lot of like BSing with colleagues and stuff like I may have done a little bit more in the past because there just wasn't time for that. So yeah, I definitely got a lot more efficient. But um, as that one year mark came up where I was going back full time, I was getting a little bit nervous for sure. And kind of like, okay, is this... Do I want to stay? Do I want to... You know, like I was definitely starting to kind of question what did I want to do? I think at that time though, I liked having a nanny <laughs> come in. I liked the way it was set up, you know, like I wished that I I wasn't working quite as much, but I also, I don't know, I kind of enjoyed it at that time. I also, I'm not like a huge baby person. <laughs> so I like felt like it was when I was part-time and like just working those hours, I felt like it was a pretty well-balanced, although, you know, unless I felt like my work was starting to encroach on the times that I wasn't supposed to be working. Mm -hmm. It's great that you had the support systems that you did too with your husband and with an employer that sounds flexible enough. I feel like we don't see enough of that. And the more we see it, the more acceptable it becomes, you know, non-birthing parents taking their fair share of family leave and, and supporting the family as a whole and more employers who are understanding and see the value of mothers in the workforce um, to not feel, you know, retaliated against or or like there's not space for both. So it's awesome that you had that level of support all around. Yeah, I agree. And we also, in terms of, you know, partner taking time off, my husband had been working um, at the same university for several years. And so he had a two-week paternity leave, but he had also accumulated like eight weeks of vacation and I think like 16 weeks of sick time or something ridiculous. And so we actually had an opportunity to move back to Pennsylvania. He had a job offer here where we are now and where our families are. And we decided not to take it because it was kind of like here, it would have been really nice because we would have family around and, you know, that support system. But I felt like, you know, with him starting a new job and they didn't have the same kind of, they didn't even have a paternity leave and they didn't have, you know, he didn't have all that vacation time accrued, obviously. So, you know, I felt like he wasn't going to be a part of it. It was like, we were, it was almost, we were trading family for him. And so we chose to stay in Texas because, you know, so we could do it together and it wasn't like... Mm -hmm on me and our families. So, um, so I was glad that we made that decision. He took three weeks off at the beginning and then he took, he would take like a few days here and there or a week here and there. So it worked out really well. And then like, you know, my mom would come down or his parents would come down. So I felt like I had a lot of support, especially at the beginning. Then at the year mark, a lot changed. So um, she turned one in February of 2020. And in January of 2020, are at work, our board replaced our CEO with a new CEO who was very different. Um, He was 
US-based, Harvard background, military background, and just kind of a bit more, I would say, old school in terms of thinking about time off and leave and things like that. So just kind of a night and day difference there. So the leadership changed. And then, so then I was coming back full-time in February. And I think it would have probably been like a much easier transition back. When I say easier, I mean like a more gradual transition back maybe. But whenever we had the leadership change, it was a new expectation of time investment on top of just one and a half more days a week. It wasn't just like I was going to 40 hours a week. It was like I was going to way more than that. And then in March, 2020, as we all remember, mm-hmm. <laughs> the world shut down. I know down. what's coming. <laughs> yep. So we lost our nanny and we couldn't travel. My family couldn't travel to see us to watch the baby. And my husband started working from home. So it was just me and him and the baby trying to like, manage, right? So it was really, really tough trying to do that. And so new expectations from a new boss, you know, no more childcare, (laughs) no, like none. And, you know, just trying to juggle all of it between the two of us, it felt really impossible. That's probably the best way I would describe it. So I think those kind of factors led to eventually the decision to step away I'm not sure if it would have played out differently or not because I was kind of already thinking, you know, wondering if it, what I wanted to do and if I wanted to stay or not. But those factors, I think, kind of accelerated that decision for sure. Yeah. And I think there was probably a lot of mothers in the same position, right? Who almost didn't have a choice of whether or not to stay in the workplace. Absolutely. I mean, we, it was a luxury that I had any help, right? Like that my husband was home. Um, and that I was home. Yeah, I, I don't know what I what we would have done if we weren't both able to be there. You know, if we had to go somewhere, if we were essential workers and had to go somewhere because we literally had no one to, to care for our baby. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think, you know, hundreds of thousands of women, that was like the great exodus or the great resignation, the hundreds of thousands of women left the workforce that year. And then I totally understand why, right? Like, I mean... How can you physically do it? It was it was impossible, and it was it took a toll mentally and physically. We would um, wake up early in the morning so that we could work, and then in the eight hour workday to nine hour workday, we would split it. So we would like go through at the beginning of a week all of our meetings and like see when who had important meetings at what times, and then we would just like hand her off back and forth, and then wow. in the evenings we would spend a little bit of time together and. You know, sometimes we would like it would be like one of us spending time and one of us working. And then she would go to bed and we would work until like one or two in the morning to get the rest of our day in. And then, oh my goodness, do it all over again. So it was exhausting. It was not sustainable. And that was obviously a tough time for the world in general, but I think especially for parents and especially for parents of babies, right? Like little tiny humans that can't function without right? Like that are, are reliant for you. Um, Yeah. So. Wow. So when did you decide to leave the workforce or when did you actually leave? Yeah. So I'll kind of walk through that process a little bit so that everything shut down in March, 2020, we lost our childcare. Um, and then in April, we did layoffs. I had to lay people off virtually, which was awful. And I was thinking like, maybe I should just like raise my hand <laughs> to go. <laughs> Because, mm-hmm. You know, I, I was so I was kind of thinking that, but I also 
I, I think with the world being so, the future being so uncertain and every, I mean, you remember that time, like it was such a scary time, right? Like no one knew, we thought we were going to be in quarantine for two weeks and then it just dragged on and like kept stretching on and on and on and no one knew what was going to happen. So I think at that time we were like, whoa, we don't want to like let go of any income at this moment right? Uh, because we don't know what's going to happen. And so I wasn't ready at that point. Um, then in May, we started to do some like financial planning. I hired a coach to start the process of just kind of examining like where I was at. I was just, it was just so hard and I was just not enjoying any part of life uh-huh. <laughs> as much as I wanted to be. And so that was May. And then like we kind of carried on through the summer. Also travel shut down. That was something that I really enjoyed and I thought was really fun, especially to take my daughter along on. So it was kind of like all the fun stuff was stripped out and we were working much leaner because we had cut 25% of our workforce. So yeah. And then in August, I remember thinking, I had this recurring thought all the time of like, how does anyone do this? And I am failing at everything. I just felt like I was failing at everything. Like I couldn't, I wasn't, I obviously as a type A perfectionist, high achiever, a high achiever, I hold myself to really high standards, right? And so I just felt like I was being a shitty mom and I was being a bad employee. Like I just wasn't, I wasn't being successful um, or like living up to my expectations of myself in any aspect. And then like, let alone like being healthy and taking care of myself and my relationships. And, you know, it was just like, I had these two huge things um, that took up so much of my time, my baby and my job. And um, I just felt like I, I don't know how to do this. I just, I cannot do this. And I think, you know, so I, I hired a therapist and a new coach and um, that kind of started that process in August and somewhere along the way, like things opened up enough for us to be able to hire new nannies, but we had a lot of turnover, some COVID related, some just trying to find the right fit. So I think we, between whenever we, I can't remember, it was like June or July that it reopened. So from whenever we could hire somebody till October, we went through like four or five nannies and it was just so hard to like do the onboarding, you know, like teach them how the house, you know, how everything goes and get them acclimated and get our daughter acclimated and then have it not work out and have to do it all over again. It was just, it was just exhausting. And so it was in October, the beginning of October, another nanny quit. And I just said, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. I'm, I do not want to do this anymore. I don't have to do it. I've been trying to make it work. I am done. Also, I want to back up about that because The other thing, like in April, whenever the layoffs happened and I thought about leaving and that was kind of, you know, I was thinking about that. I am very much a person who I don't believe that it makes sense to make a decision from a point of weakness or um, vulnerability. So like if I am in the weeds, I don't think that's the place to make decisions from major decisions, right? You have to make decisions to get yourself out of it, of course. And that was when I hired people to help me. 
but I I didn't want to make a major life decision from that place. So that was really why I I hired a coach and a therapist just so that I could get to a headspace where I could make a decision that that I would feel good about. You know, when I whenever she quit, like just there was something in my body that just like a switch flipped and I just I just knew I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. I had been talking about it with my therapist and my coach and kind of, you know, weighing the options and and figuring trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And it just, I don't know how to explain. It's like the stars. You know, when you just know something, mm-hmm. apparently, I just knew. I just knew that I I was going to leave. And so I talked to my husband that night and said, well, you know, like we've been having these conversations. We've been doing the financial planning. Everything's set up. I'm going to leave. And so then I gave notice and left at the end of the year. So I stayed through December. But I remember whenever I was about to... I was having the conversation with my boss. I was so nervous and had an emergency coaching session about it because I imagined this conversation in my head over and over and over again, like played it out. And um, yeah, I was just so nervous about what I was going to say to him, how he was going to react... And I don't know why, but I was just... That's what I was going to ask. Why? I mean, you're doing what's right for you. You've already made the decision. You know, it's not necessarily burning a bridge, but did you still feel some that your value was tied to the workplace or that you just were didn't want to disappoint people? Like, did you ever get to the bottom of why you were so afraid to share that news? Oh, uh, there was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, as, as women, we are socialized to be... To, put other people first. So I definitely can relate to like people pleasing. And so I was like, I'm going to disappoint him. I'm going to let him down. I think there was also a little bit of like, like he let other executives go in the layoffs and kind of um, enrolled me to, to, you know, I don't know. I just like felt like I was a big part of it, which honestly, I mean, hindsight, like everybody's replaceable. They hired someone else. The company went on. It's fine. (laughs) But there was a lot tied into the decision. So even though I made the decision in an instant, it was like I did a lot of pre-work to do that. So there was a lot of unraveling of why I was hesitant. I felt like, am I being a bad feminist? You know, I mean, how can I call myself a feminist and walk away from a job and a role that so many women before me didn't have the opportunity to be in? And then even more women fought for me to have that right to to be in that role. So I felt this in extreme kind of guilt and like talking about the identity thing, you know, it was just like, how am I even going to call myself a feminist if I just like decide to step out of an executive role to be a full-time mom? And then I think, you know, we talked about before about identity being tied up in it. It, it was definitely different than my first company. But by this point... I had fully stepped into the executive identity. I was no longer feeling like, ooh, am I, maybe I didn't earn this or whatever. Like I had been hired. I had been recruited hard. (laughs) I had been, I had negotiated for what I wanted, right? Like I felt like I had earned it at this point and that I was a full-on executive. And so kind of like, who am I without that title? Who am I? Like I'm... You know, when we introduce ourselves to people and people ask about us, you know, I would say like I ran a team or I'm vice president or something along those lines, something with my career first. And so all of those things were tied into it. And so all there, all of those things took a bit of 
unraveling to really kind of dig into before I was able to make that decision. And then when it came to telling him that it was just kind of the final step. And I think it just felt so big. Like I had to quit one company before to start my own business, right? So I had already walked away from an executive role. So you would think it would have been easier. But I think because it was like to do woman things, I'm doing air quotes here, I felt I was probably judging it in a way that I assumed he would judge it too. And that feminist thing, I think like when I I was thinking about all the women that came before me, I also was thinking about all the women that come after me and what kind of precedent am I going to set for them? Uh You know, am I just going to reinforce these beliefs that like the old school thinking of like, oh, when a woman has a child, she's just going to leave or, you know, kind of those thoughts were probably front of mind for me too whenever I was talking to him. So like, what is he going to think of me? And what's he going to think of? the next woman who comes in here for an interview, you know, and is he going to think less of her or kind of have that in the back of his mind of, you know, maybe she's not all the way in mm-hmm. you know, because I thought Leanna was all, all the way in and, and it turns out she wasn't. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, but I had the conversation. He was shocked. Everyone was shocked. He, it was interesting because I explained the whole, like, I feel like I'm constantly failing. I just don't feel like I can be really good at anything when I'm trying to do both of these things. And he was like flabbergasted. Like, what are you talking about? I think you're an excellent employee. You know, like it was interesting because I think it was kind of the first realization that like, oh, maybe my view of this is not 100% accurate. Maybe, I mean, not saying that his was or that anyone else's was, but like that the way that I was thinking about it, maybe there was some room to challenge that a little bit. Interesting. I mean, do you think if you would have seen it that way before your decision, you would have stayed? I don't think so. Because I think that I, though I left in some stressful circumstances, I didn't leave because of them. Like I didn't leave. I could have, and I did hire another nanny. And actually she ended up being the best, like one of the best ones to finish out my the rest of the year there. So, you know, I could have kept going. I could have continued to do that. It wasn't like, oh my God, these things are insurmountable. There was the other main factor, which I haven't even really talked about, but it was just that like, I felt like I was missing out on spending time with my baby. Like I, you know, at that point she was a year and a half to two years. And so when her nanny would be like, oh, we're going outside to play. I would be like, oh man, like I want to go outside and play with her, right? Like by the time I'm done, it's dark. You know, my boss had kind of some expectations that we worked a lot. So it was like a 50, 60 hour work week. And I just felt like she is sleeping like a lot, right? Like they still sleep a lot at that time. So if I'm working 10 to 12 hours a day and she sleeps 15 hours a day, like it just, the math didn't work out for me to feel like, why did I have a baby if I'm just going to pay somebody to spend all their time with her? And then like, I'm going to see her in these like tiny little chunks of time. I just didn't feel like it was enough time to spend with her. I wanted to flip it, you know, because I honestly didn't want to stop working completely. And when I gave my notice, he was like, let's figure out a part-time thing or something. That's what I was just for you. But I think if I had done that in that environment, it would have been that I would have been working full-time and getting paid for part-time because that was just kind of, you know, kind of trying to like scale back my role. I just didn't see that as a possibility. And so, no, I felt like I needed a clean break. So my plan was really to start my business, 
shortly after I like, like take some time and then do some little projects, start my podcast soon after I left and just like still do projects and things like that. Your coaching business, you mean? Yes. Yeah. I didn't want to like launch it fully, but I thought like maybe if I like re-engaged a couple of clients and just kind of kept that part of my brain going, I thought that would be fun. But yeah, but it was basically just, I felt like I wanted the inverse. I just didn't want to work 10 to 12 hours a day and have the leftover time with her. I wanted it to be the opposite, right? Like maybe I would work a couple hours a day and but have the majority of time with her. And also she was getting a lot more fun. <laughs> she was very like, she wasn't a baby anymore. She was like wanting to go and do things. And they're just so cute at that age. And, you know, starting to kind of talk a little bit and be more interactive. And so my decision was, I want to spend more time with her. I want to enjoy her one and only childhood. A thought that I had that I think was very helpful is that a job is always going to be available to me. I will always be able to find another job. And, but she only has one and only child. She has this one and only childhood and I want to enjoy it with her. And so I think that a lot of times women get stuck in that decision of like, what if I can't come back? What if jobs aren't available? And I know that that has been a reality in the past of, you know, questioning like, and still is in many places questioning a, a gap in, you know, career gap. But that wasn't something I ever worried about because I just thought like it was so easy for me to get this job. I'll get another one, right? Like I'll get another one if I... I mean, it comes back to confidence too, you know, that you built over time to feel in that position. I remember when you made the decision, you changed your LinkedIn title to something super cute. (laughs) What was it? Yes. Chief Learning and Development Officer to a future CEO. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that mindset too, when I transitioned out was really important because I had this mindset that like I was now doing the nanny's job. My job was my daughter from call it nine to five, whatever those real, real hours, you know, seven to six or whatever. But my job was during the day with her. And then kind of before and after that was like shared time with my partner, right? Like we shared the load equally because he did his job and I did my job. I think I'm happy that I made that transition. I made it, you know, I I left right before she turned two because I know, you know, I think a lot of women, there's like an expectation that they just like own everything in the house and kids. If their partner is working, if they're not, mm-hmm. that is not the dynamic that we had because I was thinking that like, this is, I am the chief learning and development officer. This is an important job that I am doing. And so I need to be my best self. I need to be well rested. I cannot be the only one waking up at night because I need to be rested for my job, just like my husband needs to be rested for his job. And mm-hmm. I think that that's not always the reality for women who are the sole caretaker or primary caretaker where while their partners work, unfortunately. Right. And I mean, obviously that means selecting a partner, right? That's going to be supportive and kind of equally contributing in any area of life, even outside of a, a child. But did that just involve you to kind of having conversations? I mean, was it a negotiation at all? Or was it just, this is what's going to work and this is what I need. And this is how we both need to work together to support the family. What was that like? It was just kind of like the inertia. Like it was just how it was before, only I was doing a different job. So like we already had those dynamics in place where he does a lot more of the cleaning than I do. And I do a lot more of the 
spending time with our daughter than he does, right? Like, so we just balance it. Um, and on days where like he spends more time with her than I do different house projects, you know, my, my two different uh-huh. or things like that. So yeah, it was kind of like we already had it in place. And so it just continued that way. When I first left, it was very much like we would get up and he would take her in the morning so that I could do my meditations and yoga and kind of like be in a good headspace for her because dealing with kind of the big emotions of a two-year-old, you really have to have (laughs) the kind of mental fortitude um, and like be good yourself before you can really feel like, okay, I'm being helpful here (laughs) rather than like, uh, what's, you know, losing my mind. So yeah. And then in the evenings we would, we would do different trade-offs and, you know, I might do bedtime and he would clean up the kitchen from dinner. And, you know, one of us, we would take turns cooking and that kind of thing. So, so yeah, it was, I mean, of course, conversations, but also I think the fact that it was already in place was helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important. And, you know, obviously you'll talk and we think a lot about of us as women and us as self-proclaimed feminists and how what we do impacts that. But I really think there's something to be said for the male feminists and the male contributors to the conversation too, because it really does take that balance or, I mean, maybe it's not always males, right? But the other partner to jump in to help to have it be equal and to lessen the mental load that I think really oftentimes does fall on the woman or the mom at home and in the workplace, you know, that I've seen there's a lot of kind of shadow work that we pick up even in the workplace just because of those societal kind of gender norms that we inherit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. I think that was something else Cheryl Sandberg talked about in her book and lean in and about equal partnership and dividing the duties, Uh you know, things like that. And I mean, I remember... (laughs) When we came home from the hospital, basically it was like my job to take care of the baby and his too. But like, you know, I was, I was breastfeeding. She from day one only ever wanted me. That was like my focus. And then he took care of everything else and me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it was like, he was taking care of me. He was taking care of the house. He did all the diaper changes because I hate diaper changes. <laughs> <laughs> And like made sure I was good. He was obviously also like really involved with her, but it was like, that was mainly how we kind of chose to mm-hmm. to break it up, right? And so I think it's a really important for some ground rules or boundaries or, you know, things to figure out. And honestly, I don't think there's much you can do to figure it out beforehand <laughs> until you get into it. And you're like, ah, oh, what do we have to do here? Mm-hmm. So I think from the beginning, it was very much like, there's a lot of work to do here. Like we are both responsible for getting it all done. And when I say work, I mean like home stuff, right? Like cleaning mm-hmm. and paying bills and and taking the trash out and taking care of the baby, everything. Just like the career pause I'm about to talk about, I'm going to go ahead and take an episode pause right there. Thank you so much for listening to part two. Join us next week for the final installment of this series where I'll talk about my transition into full-time mom life and what I've learned after much reflection on this experience. Thanks again and see you next week.